welcome to another episode of the Performance Cup Podcast. I'm Associate Editor Scott Newman and with me today is longtime motor contributor David Morley and in the back we have former motor editor and also longtime motor contributor Tim Robson with Josh as usual doing the recording. So to set the scene for you today, we're on our way to Performance Car of the Year which we're doing over the next week. Uh, last Friday, as we record this, uh, Holden sadly shut its manufacturing in Australia forever. So we thought we'd take the opportunity to talk about some of Holden's performance Commodores over the years, because we're doing this from the seats of an HSV GTSR W1, which is one of the Bacotti contestants this year. So, given the two gentlemen with me have driven pretty much every fast Commodore of all time pretty much so we'll get some of their thoughts about what's what's good what's bad some of their memories over the years of driving them on road and track so Dave I'll start with you what was the first fast Commodore you, you drove in a professional capacity <laughs> oh, as opposed to <laughs> having stolen mum that's right um, I was about 21 years old and I went down to Peter Brock's factory in Port Melbourne and the great man himself handed me the keys to his personal car at the time, which was a was a pale metallic green VL turbo manual. When you get the keys like that, do you go still woohoo, or do you go, holy crap, this is Peter Brock's car, I better not... Yeah, I was, uh, I was bricking it, yeah. I'll give you the tip. But then I thought, I better get out of here before he changes his mind. That's right. Was that Brocky enhanced, or was it just a... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. it was enhanced alright. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it had agates. Excellent. It was a fast car. And Robbo, when's your Commodore story start? I reckon it'd probably be around 2001, Scotty. Yep. Probably, so we're talking sort of VT-ish time. I seem to, I remember something yellow, I remember something on the track. Yep. Um, and Dave, you'd probably back me up. I seem to remember smoke at the bonnet with power <laughs> steering pumps yeah, and, they, they were and bad all sorts of stuff. SS level stuff, uh, particularly when we went to a big event. Um, it was always a bit of a, a bet as to when okay. the first pump or the yeah, first power steering pump or the first uh, brake fluid boil would happen, and uh, I didn't win too many. I think Dave Dave nailed a few. Oh, I probably caused it, but I, I soon remember the HSV stuff was worse uh, for the power steering stuff because um, they, we spun them a thousand revs harder, and that was what yeah. you know they needed a smaller pulley on the uh, on the power steering well, pump. I, as a reader back then, I remember all those stories that you know every Picotti, every bank gearbox. Like we want this to be sort of generally a positive <laughs> podcast, but we'll start. We're since we're on the topic, uh, you know every. There were pictures of fluid underneath them. So what was the response? What was the feedback you were getting from, uh, you know, I suppose, all your freelance, but Robert, you would have been in the office making some of these calls, I suppose, yeah. to our various uh, PR and engineering yeah, people. Yeah, what was yeah. the what was the vibe? What was the uh, response? I've got a crickets and tumbles. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of lots of rings and nothing being picked yeah. up. Okay. No, I got, on that, you know, to keep it on the positive side there, mate, in terms of a car company looking after or, or supporting uh, journalists, I don't think there were many companies better than Holden. I remember a few particular occasions where they would actually send an SS Commodore down the line so they could send one to Picotti uh, or send one to Bang for Your Bucks. So uh, around Australia adventures, they would they would build special cars for us to go and basically destroy them and hand them back. So you know, they desperately I know they desperately wanted to win. Yeah, something like a performance car of the year event at some stage in their life. Um, they 
kind of there or there about some years, but they never cracked it for the win. So, but in terms of supporting us, yeah, they were, you know, we do joke about that kind of stuff, and it did happen on occasion. Uh, but they would certainly back themselves and support us as well, which is pretty important. Well, I suppose from their point of view, you're not necessarily going to admit the fault, even though there is clearly a fault because there's a car spewing its guts and get lame. But they have gotten better over the over the years, so they obviously clearly were tinkering behind the scenes because, I mean, especially ever since VE, certainly VF stuff, I mean, yeah. the current HSV stuff and Redline stuff, you can belt all day. It's world class. Yeah. yeah. You can belt all Actually, day. Just picking up what you were talking about there, Roy, the, the best one I remember was um, in terms of Holden making stories possible. They actually shipped two cars to Europe for us. That's right, um, a did, supercharged yeah. Yeah. and a normal uh, V6, VTs. Yeah. And um, we drove them from, from Barcelona to... Um, to Germany, and in fact, we got a flat tire right out the front of La Sagria Familia, you know, the, the cathedral in. Yeah. I'm just getting it out of this guy's way. Yeah. The cathedral in uh, Barcelona. I'd hate to think what would happen now if you parked a, a foreign <laughs> registered car in front of the in front of a <laughs> cathedral in Barcelona. I don't know. They pretended you, you were changing a tire. You'd talk your way out of it, mate. <laughs> but it was a great drive. So that's some of the. Uh, okay, we started on a bit of a sad note, but what, what are some of the positive stories? What are some of the best? memories you've had in this job in Commodores, you know, whether at Picotti or comparisons or stories or yeah. what are some of the highlights? Just some epic, epic interstate drives, you know, like yeah. if you had to take someone to somewhere or you had to um, drive something back from Picotti or whatever, you, you you know, you'd often gravitate towards those cars yeah. because they were so capable, you know, I mean, yeah. and in the later years they got uh, really good seats. I think it was the VX Club Sport had like yes. the best seats I've ever sat in, I think, and uh, you know, so there was, these cars were you know, they were pretty well tuned for, for the sort of stuff we did. They weren't, I wouldn't say they were great on a racetrack because they were usually pretty big, heavy cars. Yeah. But in the real world, they were, they were pretty awesome things. What about yourself, Robert? I mean, Josh is fiddling in here now. Sorry, I, I'm completely sorry, distracted. I'm, I'm, you, put, you put him in the back seat for fun. I'm a little flustered. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. 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 i sort of the initial launch product um, release stuff for VE um, and as a kind of a fledgling, fledgling editor what really struck me was the depth of passion that was in that engineering group um, to build uh, build that platform to do the best with what they had they were benchmarking against Audi they were benchmarking against BMW but they had you know I don't know, a hundredth of the budget to do something like that. So instead of using cast aluminium parts, they'd use car, they'd use uh, tubular steel, but in the right angles and in the right spot. So it was astonishing to see just what they managed to achieve um, with with a fifteenth of the budget. Um, but you know, well, that, I mean, Aussie, the, Aussie blokes and and, yeah. and girls just doing the level best that they can to, to make a fantastic product. Well, I reckon the VT is the car that marked the Commodore going global. Uh, in terms of its quality and its performance and its abilities. And the perfect example of what you're talking about, you know, is making something from nothing, is the original uh, Monaro concept of 19, 1998, yeah. uh, which was, you know, a bunch of guys led by Simcoe, uh, Mike Simcoe, who, you know, stayed after work. And they, you know, yeah. there was probably beer involved, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and designed this thing and stuck it on the on the Sydney Motor Show stand. Everyone yeah. said, well, you've got to build that yeah. or there'll be a riot. Yeah. And that's how that car came in. And that car was made from... That was made from bottle caps and leftover bits and bobs that were, you know, strewn around the place. Yeah. And they turned out this, this amazing looking two-door coupe. 
That's, that's a still a stunner, that car. It that is. Was the, the VT-based one with the full wraparound yep. rear light. Yep. Didn't quite make production because, you know, they changed the, what, the VX then, but it yeah. was an awesome-looking thing. Um, one of the biggest stories Motor's ever done, which none of us here were probably silly enough to go on. I wasn't around then, but these guys we certainly weren't silly enough to go on, was the Around Australia trip, which um, you can read online, motormag.com.au. We've put it, up on, put it up in its entirety there, which was uh, a foolhardy bunch drove around Australia pretty much non-stop. I think they did this full <laughs> circumnavigation in six, oh, less than six days, I think. Well, they did it a couple of times. It didn't yeah, always yeah. end well, did it? Was that Coburn and Taylor? Was that the... Oh, my Lord. Some, and, of the, uh, some of the tales that have come out of that uh, yeah, oh, there was oh, mechanical oh, failures there was Lord. crashes there were yeah. personal meltdowns were, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you could not they get two Thomas, more they yeah. left Thomas Walecki at the border oh my Lord yeah, he's around. still miffed about that <laughs> he's still dirty about that yeah. you, you could not get two more dis- anyway, no. two more disparate characters in Paul Coburn and Jesse Taylor to do that story could not be oh, possibly found they were you know, the odd makes the odd couple look like you know fraternal <laughs> twins. It's um, a great so, read. Oh, sure yeah, you just, read it just fabulous. Yeah, and again, and Holden built the cars. They yeah. literally took two cars off the line. Long range fuel tanks. Long range fuel yeah. tanks had the driving lights, had the you know special a little bit of underbody protection. Nothing to make them you know outside the rules. Um, again, that you pick up the phone and they went, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Yep. Yeah, next time they need to fit it with a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who went on that trip voluntarily wants, wants a check up from the neck up, I tell you. Oh, Every yeah. time I say Jesse, he reminds me that the record can be beaten. Yeah. I just tell him, well, I'm not, not by me, pal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Good luck you with got that. that all yeah. yourself. Anyway, let's keep this back on track. Um, it's unlikely, but anyway, <laughs> give it your best shot. We'll talk about, you touched on the local engineering side of things, and that's something we're not necessarily about to lose because, we, you know, Holden and Ford and Toyota still have local engineering, you know, Officers, but it's not going to be anywhere near to the same scale. It's not the people making these cars. Yep. Um, so, what are some of the stories you remember about from launches and having that deep dive access to people that are, you know, that are, from everyone who's stamping out the panels to doing the wiring to doing the chassis tune to powertrain calibration? I mean, you know, every launch you get to have great access to these people. So. Yeah, what is, who are some of the big people you've met over the years that have made an impression on you? Well, Holden's had some brilliant engineers over the years, and, and like all engineers, you know, you can you can tell the extroverted engineer he's the one, he's the guy looking at someone else's feet. <laughs> but the, the, the go with these fellas was to get them at dinner and get a couple of inks into them, and yeah. then they they'd sing like birds <laughs> because they wanted to. Though, so they loved it so yeah. much. Yeah, they did. They yeah. they were passionate about it. And you know, if you had half an idea about what they were talking about, yeah. like if you'd done your homework a little bit. They would absolutely spill their guts. I mean, it was amazing what they tell you. Yeah. Not 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 top secret stuff, but just the, the the level of understanding that they had of how, of how cars work. And you know, after five minutes, they've left you for dead. But yeah. you know, you usually get a good quote. Usually about three minutes I, for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more for me was guys like Richard Falazzo, the designer. Yep. You, you kind of put him on a pedestal. He, he did the uh, some of the you know, some of their greatest concept cars came out of his, his sort of fertile brain. And then you meet him, and he's the most lovely, down-to-earth gentleman you could possibly come across. And yeah, he would happily show you over the over the designs. Um, yeah, for hours on end, unless the PRs grabbed us and and, uh, and took us away. So. Yeah, I think everyone. I never met. I know I might have met Peter. I, um, every, everyone basically yeah. in that sort of um, the upper echelons were were pretty available, to be honest. Oh, it's um, worth mentioning too that Ford 
had a lot of guys like that too. Yep. You know, you could you could tap their brain and, and you know um, learn a lot, <laughs> yeah. even if it, it, you didn't understand all of it at the time. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, well, we've had a couple of guys on that podcast on our podcast, like Justin Cavicciano from Ford. He's been on, and yep. uh, Rob Tribbiani on a recent one with the new Commodore. And that's the thing, like we guys, we can talk about it, and you get some understanding through you know but we usually get the understanding from talking to those guys because they actually know what they're on about and they know how not just the what but the why as well so it's a valuable resource and I suppose it's good that both camps are keeping that keeping that uh, you know knowledge base and, and good on the head office too for letting the guys those guys talk yep. you know yep. too often you go to you go to a, a launch in Japan for instance and, and they'll wheel out the father of the whatever uh, who's yep. an engineer but He'll he'll have a prepared speech, and then the minute he's finished, they put a put a you know the hook around his neck and drag it inside, and that's the last you see of him. You know you don't you don't get access to those guys, not not to the same extent. So you know, um, props to them for, for letting us at these guys. And you know, I mean, there must there, there's a lot of journos who you know, let's face it, should be allowed out on their own. And and these guys, these engineers who do know what they're talking about, must must like absolutely go. Oh no, here he comes. Right. You know, but. Um, they put up with us, which is, you know, God bless them. That's right, they're not paid to do that. <laughs> Even not. to the F2, Scotty, um, the, you know, the, the, I suppose the last official kind of Commodore release, they were still, you know, proudly, you know, spruiking that uh, bespoke the exhaust. And Ford yeah. announced, I believe, yeah, that they yeah. were yeah. shutting down. Exactly, and, you know, the, the bespoke exhaust stuff that they yeah. did uh, in honour of one of their late engineers who passed away, and it was, it was incredible. Like, they could have taken parts off of you know, a US bound cop car or something and just bolted it underneath and said, there you go, it's all, no, they're going to, you know, they'll take it, they'll put a special baffle in it, they'll make it a better car. I mean, that's because they wanted to. That's a good point, isn't it? Like the, you know, the Falcon for lots of reasons, withered on the vine slightly, you know, we had the last sprints, which were a great job by the local team, but, you know, the the, the taps were turned off earlier, whereas, like the VF2 Commodore is... The best Commodore they've ever. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic product. You know, they, you know, they gave it shorter gearing, they gave it the new exhaust system, they, you know, fiddled with all sorts of bits to make it yeah. the best that it's ever been. And, and there's a perfect example of, of the engineers too, like Amalinda Watt, mm-hmm. um, yes. who's you know mother of two. Thank I you think, for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Designed yeah. or yeah. had a large part in the VF2. You know, yeah. and it's a hot rod, and yeah. you talk to her, Absolutely. and she's just like, yeah. yeah, let's go and start it up and listen to yeah. it. You know, yeah. like fair right. she had a sister. Yeah. <laughs> you're a married man Dave remember that yeah, yeah. Can I forget? hi Marie how you going good to see you yeah. hi Marie uh, look the chances of my missus watching this she'd take one look she'd take one look at you buddy I didn't mean it oh this is going off the rails already I should have known what are you talking about how, how did you expect it to ever go off the rails yeah, I, I think most Come podcasts on. should include an element of marriage guidance yeah, fair enough <laughs> uh, that'll be the next episode. All his marriage counselling. Um, Don't very, do it. Very sure. <laughs> it's real easy. So, what's ever dug up any juicy scoops? Ever seen anything you shouldn't have seen over the years? I mean, that can come out, uh, come out of the woodwork in one of those launches. Or I used like to sneak it? into the Ford proving ground at New Yanks and take yeah. photos of the new models. Yeah. There was a guy on your box brownie. Yeah. Yeah. The model T very much. Yeah. 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 No, it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a bloke called Ronnie. I forget his surname, but he was a real keen uh, amateur photographer. But he, he lo- and he loved his cars. And he contacted the magazine. He said, "I know a way through through the gun range into the back way of the U Yanks. You want to come with me?" Sure. I was the youngest member of the team back then. So yeah, it was bottle T. Um, yeah, so I got the job. We, you know, before dawn, we we put on our camos and we snuck out to the. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we took pictures of the um, uh, unreleased EA Falcon being yeah. tested yeah. on the cover. Got on the cover. I remember. So I, I think it might have been JT. Might have been Jesse Taylor. Um, was on a trip to Detroit with uh, with Holden, uh, and I think the. Uh, the, M, uh, the, the PR chief then was a guy called Jason Laird, who's actually now the director of communications at Telstra. So you can't actually do something beyond car life, or we just we've just chosen not to. Um, they were on a on a exactly exactly right. Um, I can never get through to him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. So they were on a tour of the proving ground over there, and, and Jason said, "Look, you know, have you seen anything? You're not supposed to." Blah 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 blah. But everything's been hidden away and camouflaged and whatnot. Literally, as he finished saying that sentence, the new VT drove past the bus <laughs> of entire a busload of Australian journalists, like you know, eight months before launch, and they all went, "Is that the?" And Jason went, "Yeah, that yeah. is." <laughs> Days before camera phone. That's right. Yeah. Had to take a mental snapshot. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they did, and they tried to describe it when they got back. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. there you go. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about HSVs as well. We've talked a lot about the Commodores, but. What are some of the uh, HSVs that are made a... You know, I mean, Robo, you mentioned Bacotti, and usually the highest performing Commodore at a Bacotti event is a HSV product. Um, how have they sort of... How have they evolved over the years? So the first ones you probably drove, you know, for Morley, that would be back in... We drove Morley, I suppose, back to VN yep. Group ASS and yep. stuff like that. 1962, um, something like that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, so tell me yeah, how, in your opinion, the product has evolved over the years. Where did, it, where did it start and what improved first, what improved next, to where we are today and sort of, you know, they threw the whole kitchen sink at this thing, so... Well, you go first. Um, so where do you... Okay, well, we I, look, to, I mean, one of the, for me, one of the, you know, probably the most significant HSV was the Orbital. Yep. And uh, I remember I had to drive one. Um, you drove the first one I, to launch, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, they did the launch at um, Oran Park, and I picked the car up from Clayton in Melbourne when they'd finished building it, and I had to hang around a few hours because they were late. They were running late with this thing, and it had to be at Oran Park the next morning. And, uh, you know, somehow I got the job of driving one, and one of the uh, HSV guys, I'm not sure who it was, well, it was some, someone who worked in the, in the workshop there, drove the second car. We drove up the Hume Highway in Conway. Now, in those days, the Hume Highway wasn't divided all the way and you still had to go through towns but we made some incredible time <laughs> 111 per case now mate I'm just pleased no one saw us but there were cars blowing up in front of us I remember we were going up near um, near Gundagai somewhere and there was an old old station wagon in front of us which shed a wheel <laughs> across in front of us at, you know it's about 3 in the morning across in front of us goes a, a wheel with an axle across the road and and then it crossed the highway remember it wasn't divided and got jammed under the fuel tank of a truck coming the other way so now there's sparks coming towards me and I'm delirious because I've been driving all night but that car when I got to Sydney I had a close look at it in the daylight you know how they had that wild bonnet scoop with the slats in it well this car was so prototypey those slats they should have been plastic they actually made of balsa wood painted blue <laughs> true story so we moved on after that you moved on to the VN Group ASS a car yeah I never liked that car why not uh, the six speed gearbox was wrong the gearing was wrong the box itself was clunky the car I thought was just a bit soggy it just didn't work for me um, the motor was tuned up but it was sort of it became peaky which, you know, the old iron line never was, you know. You get, yeah. you get brutal in the slats anywhere from iron on and away you should go. And this thing seemed a bit peaky to me. I don't know, it's just, I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like the colour. 
Not much I did like about it. Yeah, well, there you go. So what, where how did the how did it then progress? You know, you, you drove into VRs, VSs, yeah. good product quality. I mean, did you they, they were, look, every model was better than the previous, which yep. you would hope. Yep. I reckon they really hit their straps when they got the LS engine, um, yep. because up till then they were yep. they were sort of pushing it uphill with a pointy stick a little bit, because there was only so much you could do with that V8, um, and the five liter was okay up to VS. In VT though, the car was too heavy for the engine. Yeah, right. It was still a lovely motor, uh, but it was just too much car. So they really needed the LS. When they got the LS, and of course Holden brought it out with 220 kilowatts, HSV immediately turned yeah. the wig up to 250. Yeah. Now 250 kilowatts in those days was a shed load. You know, nothing made 250 kilowatts. It was it was a real game changer. Now we're driving something 474. Oh, no, so. <laughs> it's quiet at 252, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're making good time. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> Any law enforcement? Yeah, there? it's two two forty eight tops. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. It's a limiter. Yeah. Um, what about you, Robert? What are some of your earliest memories? And you know, whenever you drive a car, initially you go, you know, some bits are good, but I wish it did this. And then hopefully you drive the next one, and it goes, oh, that you know, I didn't like that. And then yeah. So what are some of memories of you know your disappointments when you first drove it, and how they sort of refined that over the years? Yeah, I, I guess I came into it, you know, sort of the VTVX uh, time. Um, so, like, as Dave sort of pointed out, that the earlier ones, you know, maybe were a bit under-engined, under um, especially at sort of cl- at clubby level. Um, I think one of my favourites, I suppose, is getting on for VF um, yep. and the clubby wagons, things like that. Like, those kind of really kind of special you know, individual units, I guess, that don't, haven't been made anywhere else like to, yeah. to be able to pick up a 250 275 kilowatt you know station wagon in manual in bright red yep. sign me up like they were they're, they're just such terrific devices and that we haven't mentioned Ute the Maloos oh, you know that, yeah. I mean and also being from a, you know, I'm sort of uh, you know 70, 70k south of Sydney in a, in a place called Wollongong and whenever I took home an HSV it got stolen <laughs> if it didn't get stolen thank you David um you're king of the kids. Like there were yeah. few cars like them that would turn heads. Um, you know, anything like an HSV. Like we can drive. You can drive a Ferrari down the main street, but you know, oftentimes it's the HSV that gets the looks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we. I remember a couple of years ago we were at Bacotti up at Decca, and we had. What do we have? AMG GDS. We had GT3 there, and the guy who was you know running the day came over, and all he wanted to look at was the then new yeah. FGX XR8. Like that was the car for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, no matter what we have, we don't have any super amazing supercars this year. Uh, but we could have a McLaren P1 on this test. Yeah. And wherever we went, everyone's going to look at this thing. Yeah. I mean, we've had people take, taking photos of us all, take photos of us all day. Yeah. So please tell me we've got a McLaren P1. Sadly not. Sorry. Can we stop the car? Yeah. Let me. That's um, it. Let on. me, Scott. Flip it back to you. You've yeah. been you've been the uh, interrogator for the moment. Oh. Um, but you're more of a new school young chap. You've driven a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the craziest metal that's pretty controlled. There's a lot of traction controls, a lot of stability yep. controls. What's your kind of take? Yeah, what was your first HSV? What was your take on it? Yeah, walking into it, I suppose, the legend that is My HSV. My first HSV was an E3 Club Sport, I think. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So it was uh, 2012. Um, I'd been in the job about a year. And, you know, it was a, it was a great product. But for me... I mean, the quantum leap was when VFGDS came out. Uh, I've said before on this podcast, I was helping out Nathan Ponchard with a test for wheels back then, and I was one of the first people to drive the 
prototype and you know we ended up through Mansfield Whitfield Road and having a you know, having a decent dip in that and you just couldn't believe it like the traction and the power and the brakes but for me what really stands out with HSVs are two things one they've got incredible brakes yeah. and B they've got incredible stability control like world class yeah. you know we take all these cars to the track every year at Picotti and there's two cars that never run out of brakes Porsches and HSVs and Porsches you can kind of understand they're sports yeah. cars they're kind of lighter HSVs these things are two ton sedans yeah. and there'll be let's say German premium cars with carbon ceramic brakes on them melting in pit lane and these things will go around and around and around and around and around and they've got great pedal feels so well, I've said this before they've got great brakes and stability control so many cars want to shut you down you yeah. stick this thing in performance mode and you can you can move the car around you can slide it which is what you want in a you know, 600 horsepower rear driver um, without you know it'll flatter you but also give you a well, you know it'll give you a rope but you won't won't let you hang yourself with it so um, they're my sort of abiding memories and I've driven like I've driven a couple of the older ones now through various means drove a Walkinshaw very very brief, briefly recently and um, I mean it's funny that having grown up with this stuff to look back and 180 kilowatts was yeah. performance metal something that did 15 right. second quarters but yeah. uh, you know yeah. um and it's very, it's, you know, it's very sad that there's still a big appetite for these cars, but not enough on a global scale to keep things keep yep. things ticking along. And hopefully, Camaro will scratch that itch. But will it be as good as this stuff? I'm not quite sure. But I mean, this is probably on this test the last, you know, the last new HSV, last new Australian built car we're ever going to. Yep. Have on a motor test. 100%, yeah. We thought that last yeah. year actually with the Club Sport R8 LSA, but thank you <laughs> to HSV for actually unretiring the W1 press car for Bacotti. It was sort of shuffled off to its next gig, but they've given it back to us, which is very help- helpful. So, and why not? Because we'll uh, have to see how it goes. Dave, you're the only one of us that's driven this car so far. You've, is that right? Yes. Yes, I haven't driven it. Uh, Why'd you let me drive it today then? <laughs> Robo, you what's wrong with you? You haven't tested it. I haven't known. No, so, no. what are your thoughts when you got in the you know, last of the big bangers to put a to coin a phrase. Oh, look! What you're talking about the brakes and you have to drive on track as well. And yeah, launch, yeah. You talk about the brakes and the traction control being world class. I don't think there's very much about this car that isn't world class. Yeah. I mean, the front end in this thing, I reckon, is is the is the match or better than pretty much any big rear drive car anywhere in the world. You know, it's that good. Um, it rides well. This the W1 doesn't ride exceptionally well. I think it's it's a little bit too stiff, but that's the way they've decided to go with it. Um, but you know the build quality is there, the interior is there. I mean, it's a it's a killer engine. Mm. You know, where else can you? Well, in Australia you can't anymore. But I mean, where else could you buy a 600 horsepower, 6.2 liter supercharged manual rear drive sedan that will carry five people and tow a boat? You know, yeah. who makes that? I mean, that's the thing. Like, well, they're not manuals, are they? You see the 170 grand and go, wow, that's a lot of money for an HSV. But during testing. Um, Luffy did a time in this because he was the development driver for it. Luffy did a time in this that was the equal of the AMG GTS, which is 300 grand. Yeah. So, you know, tyres are a bit noisy because it's got Pirelli Trofeo R's on it, but it's a fair old weapon of a thing. And it's funny that you should say about the, the front end in that as soon as I drove a GDSR, a regular one, I'm like, it just feels it feels a bit better. It seems to have got rid of that little dead spot you have in the steering yeah. in an HSV. And it's because they changed the offset of the wheels to put the bigger that's brakes right. on it. That's right. And I guess that's what we're talking about is, A, we found that, I found that out because I was talking to one of the engineers, and B, you know, they could have just rolled out the badges. Yeah, they would have yeah, sold absolutely. them all. 
Yeah. Yeah. Who really cares? Yeah, but they have it, yeah. their chassis guys were pounding around Lang Lang. Yep. Uh, trying to trying to get that last bit of steering feel first off your car. And, so, and they could live with the knock-on effect too, because you, you widen the track. Yep. You got to you got to clear the brakes. You got that's why this car's got the big fat plastic mud guards. Yep. You know, so they went to a lot of effort. You know, and you don't just change the mud guards. No. You got to change the front apron as well and the splitter and yeah. it's all got to be different. So and you just don't different. bung in a set of you know super shock you know supercar no, no. spec dampers that are you know the lowest kind of friction coefficient of any damper on the market. They're better than Bill Steins. They're better than Coney. Anything that they could have gone around the world. They've worked with a crew from Adelaide. To, you know, the best of the best, you know. <laughs> it all sounds, you know, it does sound occasionally a bit sick of handing, but these are great cars. They are great cars, and you know, someone said to me that it's the best time for them to go, and I can see their point in that they're at the top of their game. They don't get the, they don't get the fall off of underinvestment. It'd be great if they had more investment. Yeah, they but they going, weren't, they weren't going to go backwards. No, it's not, it's not, it's not how things work. No, so, but I guess to wrap up. Any final Commodore thoughts on the new Commodore, or you know, Robbo, you were talking. You mentioned a bit earlier about you've got some thoughts on the closure, which happened last Friday. Yeah, look, there's been a. It's a tough one, and I might sound like a bit of a bunt, but there's been a lot of positive press around the fact that Holden has closed. Um, you know, it, it is not great that we've lost another 950 jobs out of heavy engineering, particularly. It's not. Yeah, and it's not just those guys. It's the guys who make the windscreens. It's the yep. guys you know, from ROH and Monroe and uh, the plastics makers. There's a whole raft of people. The people who have you know, cafes and, and coffee shops that are near these factories, they're the ones who are also going to suffer. But it was Holden, at the end of the day, who did decide to close the factory. And, that, and basically, that started the domino effect. You know, Ford and Toyota basically had... Well, especially Toyota, they kind of went out of the top of the game. They didn't, they didn't lay any staff off. They were building to maximum capacity right to the end. So, yeah. it's, it's a tough one. To, it's it, for me, for me, for me, it's a bit tough. You know, there was a, you know, there was a story in the Fin Review earlier in the year. Money was sent back to the head office. It's just, I don't know. It's there's been a lot of love, and but at the end of the day, the company decided to close the factory here. So. Yeah, that's like saying to someone who's just jumped out of a burning skyscraper, well, you chose to jump, you know. <laughs> How is that? What? <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They could have caught a lift. <laughs> they could have got the elevator. I know there's a sign on the lift that says don't catch and get to fire. But I no, blame, yeah. I blame the, um, the government. Gave them the, they, they did give them the ripcord, didn't they? Yep. We were talking about that earlier, that hockey stood up in, you know, at the dispatch yep. box and said, are you, you're here or you're not. First OECD country to get rid of their car industry. Yeah. We were one of the last 12 or 13 in the world countries that could design, build and market their own car. Yeah. And we're throwing it all away. Yeah. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Well, Absolutely. Well, we'll we, we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> yeah. And it would go for six hours, you know, the whys and wherefores. <laughs> oh, of. no, it's pretty simple. I can, I can sum it up for you in about 30 seconds. Okay, give us the tweet. Give us the fucking 20 character version. Well, here's the thing. You want to keep people in jobs, you've got to actually have industry. Right? If, I mean, look, clearly we learnt nothing from Thatcher. That's that's my take, take away from it. We learnt nothing from Thatcher. We were headed for a post-industrial wasteland. It's it's incredibly sad and it didn't need to happen. And, yeah, we could, we're, just, we're better than that. We're smarter than that. We've proven that many times, and, we, and our, our elected leaders have let us down. Mm. Well, there you go. But there's, what a way to go out. There's the hot take, but stay tuned for a video of this, words on this from Performance Car of the Year. We actually, when we 
you know, we're just driving to the event now. We have no idea whether it will come first or tenth, but it's a good thing. It'll probably do pretty well. So the story's not quite done for us yet, but as ever, any comments, any thoughts, let us know in the comments below. Any topics or cars you want to see us cover on the Performance Car Podcast, let us know. We'll be back with you with another episode in the near future. Thanks, guys. No worries. Peace out. See ya. Ah.